Hi, Stan. What's up, Marshall? Hi, Anthony. Are you there? So far, it looks like this. Can you see it? Wow. Impressive yeah. setup. <laughs> yeah. Anthony, you do this all the time, right? You record your voice and do stuff like this? No, I was trying to be a YouTuber because, you know, watching Pro Class, like, ah, I got to <laughs> do this too. And I go, ah, it's, it's, I had the setup and everything, but I never really got to really keep on doing it. Uh, you see, when you check out my, my YouTube, I have some, but, uh, you know. Yeah. I tried. The, the, the first one on there right now is an ASMR video. Yeah, yeah. That was... I enjoyed that one. It's you cleaning your art bin. <laughs> Marshall, do you watch ASMR videos? No, I don't. I didn't even know what <laughs> ASMR was until just last year when people kept saying it about some of the stuff I was doing, but it's been around way before the label was put on it. Yeah. But a Anthony, you did an ASMR video? Or <laughs> yeah. Sean calls him asthma. I didn't think I was going to actually like listening to ASMR, but later on, I was like, oh, okay, I like hearing the pencil on paper you know <laughs> yeah. soothing yeah puts you in a meditative state yeah it does actually it's, it's interesting well good to meet you you're the one who designed baby groot and also great big muscled green characters and other <laughs> i mean you've got a whole spectrum of characters you've designed a lot of costume design in black panther too i think that's a that's a huge one that what what are you most proud of? What which designs? One? Yeah, if you yeah, you gotta pick oh, one. That's hard, yeah. I know it's hard, but come on. I guess it would be it would be Baby Groot. Okay, cool. Yeah, a lot of the designs there inspiration came from my kids. So that's Right. If you saw my son and you saw Baby Groot, you'd oh they're kinda similar. Because uh -huh. I used his pretty much his body type for Baby Groot. When I was trying to design him in the beginning, they wanted him to feel like toddler like, right? But I mm -hmm. couldn't find a toddler picture that would do the dance moves that they wanted to do. And if you feel like you're like off balance because you have that diaper on and it just didn't feel right. So I, I had to look for for the right body type that would do those moves. And I remember my son, when he was younger, he would do these break dance moves. And mm -hmm. that's why I was like, oh, I should just use him. But, you know, sometimes you're like, ah, I can't use my family. I don't know why I had that in mind. But then Andy was like, you know, he, he, Andy Park, he led the uh, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 2 team for that, for that show. And he was like, hey, doesn't your son do break dancing? You know, because he, he would see videos on our uh, Facebook and stuff. So my son, he has the ability to move the way Baby Groot could move. That's cool. So yeah, so it's perfect. So then I use this like three or four year old picture. This is an argument for raising kids. Hey guys, welcome back to the Draftsman Podcast. My name is Stan Prokopenko. Uh, got my I'm Marshall Dandruff. Yeah, that guy. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, Marshall and I are. Uh, we're artists, but we spend most of our time teaching. It's true. <laughs> so we're, we're, we're more so teachers than we are artists, but we have a guest today, Anthony Francisco. He is a, the, or a senior visual development artist a? for Marvel. A, so there's another yeah. one. I'm, yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, no, that's a big deal. Senior visual development artist. That means you work on movies. That means I'm old. That's <laughs> all it means. <laughs> I'm old. 
Oh, uh, Marshall, what does that make you? <laughs> let's 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 keep it on Anthony. This is Anthony's show. Anthony uh, is the smoking professional of our yeah. three people here. So let's yeah. let's focus on him. Okay. So yeah, a- Anthony's been with Marvel for eight years now, working on big box office movies like Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, Black Panther. But you started yeah. with Bubble Boy. <laughs> yeah, I started with Bubble Boy. Actually, I started with a spec show that never came out. That's where where I started. Oh, really? Yeah. So uh, that was that was pre Bubble Boy. That's pre Bubble Boy, and I was given a chance to work on something, and I had no experience. Although I lied, I had experience uh, just so I could get the job. <laughs> oh wow! But, but remember, with with that's art, what it takes. Well, you have to Kids. have a portfolio, though, right? You have to have a some work to show and just say you work on a few other things that's never come out <laughs> show your oh, stuff dear. oh dear <laughs> oh man are you sure it's now out. are you sure you want this in the podcast the statute of limitations <laughs> is a certain amount of time before you can say that and then everybody says oh, okay yeah. now it's yeah. fine oh, oh i was talking about you, my first job before bubble boy before bubble boy the spec work Oh, how I got that job. Do you want to tell us about that job? Did it when you say it was spec, does that mean they didn't pay you? Uh, no, they actually paid me um like $12 an hour, which is more than what I got at Costco, which is 6.75. Man. Anthony, that's interesting that you went from 6.75 an hour to $12 an hour. And some people would say, well, $12 an hour is not enough, but it was a step up and a step into the world that then later paid much better. Yes. Right? Definitely. And they were already paying good that time, but since I had no experience, well, $12.50 was amazing for me already. That was like, wow, that's, and I don't have to give hot dogs to customers. Yes. Sign me up. It's like, can I ask how old you were when that transition from Costco to a spec job happened? I was uh, 23, 23, 24, somewhere there. While you were working at Costco, were you working on your portfolio? No, actually, I ended up quitting Costco first. Since we were going back that far, I actually went from Costco and I went to the Navy for a couple of years. Well, that's a big deal. Yeah. And then I got out of the Navy, and then I was working two jobs, Kentucky Fried Chicken, Blockbuster, actually an inventory <laughs> specialist, saving money until I just quit everything and just go, okay, this year, I'm just going to do this. Well, what's, the, what's this? Uh, I went to Associates of Art. Oh, okay. You see, so you, you went back to school. Yeah, I went back to school. So, Associates of Art- In LA, right? In LA, yeah. And that's when I took the chance, just you know, put together a portfolio. And as I was taking classes and building my uh, artist skills, uh, I met Jerdu, and that's when I realized that there was such a thing as creature design, and I didn't know this at the time. Um, I thought it was just for you know comic book stuff, but I finally met someone in the industry, and when I went there for his open house, I met Alec Gillis from ADI, and he was introducing another friend of mine, but he was a little more... He's taller than me and he's just a little more uh, not shy, I guess. And I'm like in the back. <laughs> but Alec mm. kind of saw me and, oh, are you with him? Are you an artist too? And I go, yes, I'm an artist. Do you have a portfolio? I, I didn't have one, but I just said, <laughs> yes, I have one. <laughs> wow. 
and but it's at art center being reviewed and it won't come back for two weeks i thought two weeks was enough time for me to put something together um, <laughs> okay so what did you do so that did you put then, together a portfolio in two weeks yes kind of so the story goes um uh, so he says, oh, I want to see your portfolio. And I go, whenever it's ready. And he was not kind enough to, to ask that. I don't know why, but I'm glad he gave me that chance. So two weeks I drew all day, all night, just like designing my creatures or doing like figure drawing stuff that I would put in there and nice and clean, right? But, but of course, before the portfolio, I had my sketchbooks of my ideas and all that stuff that I'm right. practicing on, right? Um, that's why when you guys were talking about sketchbooks in one of your podcasts, you know, it's like at that time, it's important to keep one with you all the time to keep your ideas, right? Mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, so I, I put, I, I kept on drawing, put together a portfolio, really nice, clean artwork. Bought like a little portfolio binder thing, put the stuff in there, and then he never, they never called me for a while, and they're thinking, oh no, they don't like me. That's the first thing, right? And, and luckily, I was able to f- fight that and go. Let me just call them up. Maybe they're busy. Maybe you know that's. That's kind of that insecurity you okay. need to fight. So I called him up and he goes, oh, we were just busy, but can you come next week? So when I came to show my stuff the week after, uh, he, he looked at my work and he, he looked like he wasn't impressed, really, because it was just 20 pieces and they were all clean and not as, I don't know, it just felt like he was just looking through it. And then he asked me, hey, do you have your sketchbook with you? Because I want to see your ideas. And luckily, I uh-huh. brought it with me. So when I took that out, that's what got me the job. When he looked through yeah. my sketchbook, looked at my shades, my designs, and my notes on the side, and, and he said, can you start next week? Wow. Yeah, great. So you didn't need to do any of that, that those two I, weeks I, where you're putting your portfolio <laughs> together. <laughs> but it did, it did help me know how to like cram for an exam, right? I was like, ah. yeah. Yeah, it, it, in a way, that's cool. it kind of did help. Um, and it, it did show me that I was cleaning up my stuff too much where where it was not um I was not taking risks in those designs. I was making it so safe. Yeah. And my designs in my book, in my sketchbook were not safe. They were just like all over the place. So they were more interested in process than product. Yes, yes. The first question he asked me was, Do you believe in reference? And I said, Yes, I do. I, I always research, I always watch like the history channel or you know, uh, planet, uh, uh, animal planet, you know, that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Um, so he liked that, that I, I derived some of my designs from nature because I was supposed to design something that's a creature, uh, something creaturey. I wonder why he asked, do you believe in reference? Do you think that he'd have people say, no, I don't believe in reference and that he would not hire them? You know, there's <sighs> some people that don't care about reference. They go, oh, I never use reference in my stuff. Uh, yeah. You know, if somebody asked me that question, I would be, <laughs> I would think that they're hoping I say no. I think uh, it's yes. like, it seems like that's the correct answer. It's like, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just a genius that just yeah. creates everything out of imagination. And yeah, and you know, all of my ideas are original. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like that. I think when you're younger, you almost want to brag that, oh, I, I didn't use reference for this. And you see yeah. the arm all messed up. <laughs> I could tell you didn't use reference for that. So first thing you have to learn is use reference. I mean, that's when I was teaching. The reference was the first thing uh, you need to have to before you yeah. start a project. Yeah, I mean, I imagine for your job specifically for for designing characters, it's like you you need to know, you need to develop a story that's based on reality, 
and do your due diligence here and like research things. And is this an art director or a production designer? He is. Uh, he's the owner of the special effects shop. So oh, special effects shop. Yeah, that's where I first started, just doing monster okay. designs. So they they like worked on um, Starship Troopers and um, mm -hmm. a lot of, like horror films. I am Legend. But I was, I was there for Bubble Boy when they got me back for that. Uh, they like okay. the way I worked and you know the speed at which I worked. And the easygoing nature, I guess, when you give me an idea, I'll go with your idea and I'll put my idea in it. I never like say, oh, that your idea is not good. I never do that. It's more like improv. You never, mm -hmm. you always say yes, right? You always go off with what the other person saying. Yes, and. Yeah. <laughs> that, so you're a good collaborator and you established yourself that way right away. Is that if we've got Anthony on the team, he's going to be easy and fun to work with and you give him something and he runs with it. Yes, I try. Collaboration is is what makes things unique to me. You know, it's not just my ideas. Now, okay, I've got a personal question. Then, do yes, you have yeah. siblings? Or were you raised in a family of siblings? Yes, I have two sisters, and I'm the eldest. So, and did that help you to be a good collaborator? <laughs> no. When I was younger, I don't think I collaborated <laughs> much, but uh, I think because I played sports and basketball a lot, maybe that's okay. what helped teamwork. Because mm -hmm. you got yeah know how to pass the ball to win the game. You can't yeah. just hog the ball the whole time. Well, great. Yeah, that's a, that's that says a lot that when people work with you, they like you enough to want you on the team. Were you born in the United States? I was born in the Philippines. How old were you when you came here? I came here at, uh, I think I was turning 18 already. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah, I came oh, here. Oh, wow. I, I thought yeah. you were young when you came here. Well, well then, okay. damn! Tell us about the Philippines then. That, that I mean, yeah. that that's a big part of your life. Yeah, I, I think um, uh, being in the Philippines and growing up with these because um, I, I love listening to horrors, like scary stories by my my aunts or uncles, like spirits, ghosts, and all that stuff. That's like uh -huh. a big part of growing up for me. Uh, mm -hmm. And because you know we're very superstitious, you got these. Mm -hmm fairy type creatures that lurk in the forest and stuff like that and that's why i, I love doing creatures that's why creature design was uh, i was like so happy that there's a job like that um, yeah. i still remember my grandma telling me why can't you like draw flowers or anything pretty <laughs> <laughs> like, so you would like, draw monsters or just monsters and skulls and just just <laughs> crazy scary stuff that yeah. at one point my mom was like are you possessed maybe you should talk to a priest <laughs> and uh, she brought the priest over and we were talking oh. it's like oh no they're just i'm just designing a bad guy for my good guy that's all ah. so, what did the priest say about that i don't know he looked worried but you didn't try to put it on your grandma for telling you scary stories when you were a kid no i think they forgot to say that part that that's uh, yeah. Or my aunts, you know. Um, but yeah, but you know, if I follow what my grandma wanted me to, like, paint pretty stuff, I wouldn't get my job and be in the industry if I did do that. <laughs> so but I'm glad yeah. I stuck to my guns. Now you get paid to make monsters. Yeah. And and cute characters. And cute characters. Well, after after a while in special effects, you know, only doing monsters and stuff, uh, um, I think eventually I, I wanted to do more. And I started doing environments and then characters, you know, and then eventually I got to do a lot more stuff than just monsters. So I haven't done a creature design in a, in a while, 
and until baby Groot, and mm-hmm. and then the you know the beginning of Guardians two where the big um, tentacle monster comes down from. Mm-hmm. So I designed that guy too. So that's like oh cool, really yeah. So that's nice. like so much fun because it's been like two years since I designed a monster. When that came along, it's like oh man, I forgot how fun it is. Anthony, what an exciting job! I mean, yeah. you're you're making your living designing characters for the movies and it's real <laughs> it's like th- this must be a childhood fantasy come true yeah definitely i mean i've been a marvel uh comic collector ever since you know i could remember when i was younger and to come full circle you know it's it's because back then you could make these kind of films right until the the technology ca- caught up with the comic ideas uh but yeah, it's a, I'm glad. I'm happy that I got to work in this industry now. Anything you wish you would have had to make it easier or different going into the industry? It sounds like it happened through taking some risks, a little gambling going on, give me two weeks to get my portfolio back. You've got <laughs> some of that, uh, that put yourself out on a dare quality. It all worked out, but uh, I think the part that I didn't, really get to do was a formal like art education which i'm catching up now like watching you know your videos and other (laughs) um well i have formal the formal art education part of it i have to always (laughs) talk about your anatomy uh premier course the the anatomy one that is my favorite it's just i wish i had that when i was Figuring yeah. out muscles, oh, you know. So, Proco.com slash anatomy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not getting paid for it's, this. <laughs> it's a legitimate plug, though. Yeah. So, um, in a way, I learned through the industry when I was getting in, and I met uh, other industry professionals that way. But I never met like other artists coming into it with, with me. You know, Anthony, you've taken chances that some people wouldn't dare to take, and I had I just had a conversation yesterday with a student whose family and instructors have been talking about you're jumping the gun trying to get into the industry too quickly before you're ready. And I heard this student out and then said, they're right. You are not ready to go into this industry and it's it's evident. Student didn't want to hear that. But then I pulled back from it thinking there are people like Anthony who when they set out for it, the lack of preparation does not stop them. And often enough, you take a chance, I'm going to try to get this job. I'm going to try to get this company to hire me. I'm going to open up this YouTube channel. And it may be that nine times out of 10, that that's going to fail. But that one time out of 10, that a person has the audacity to do something they weren't ready for, it's not altogether a bad quality. In fact, uh, it may show, especially if it fails, and then you bounce back from it and try again and try again. It may show a quality that safety freaks don't have and that Anthony does have. Yeah. I don't think anyone's really ever ready to to enter. It's like the only time you're ready is after you've had like five years of experience in it. So, you have to just jump in and make a bunch of mistakes. You're going to learn the most on the job. The, the thing is that some people would not dare to put themselves in a position that you put yourself in 
where you know in two weeks I'll have my portfolio yeah. back, and you got that pressure on yourself, and yet you were willing to do it, and it ended up making the difference between going into the industry and not going into the industry. So you you are a risk taker. Risk taker is a, a good way of saying it, but at the same time, maybe it's more like uh, I was just being brave because <laughs> yeah. there's nothing to risk. I'm not risking anything aside. <laughs> ah. You know. That's right. What's what you got to lose? Yeah, there's nothing to lose. That's a good point. Great attitude. Well, you are risking something. You're risking uh, feeling or getting rejected or feeling, you know, getting your your emotions hurt, right? Yeah. That, yeah. That's why people don't put themselves out there or don't. Some people don't even want to get critiqued just because they they don't want to f- be insulted that's or, or yeah. feel put down. There was that fear uh, in the beginning, but since uh, I think if Alec wasn't so uh, um, inviting, I guess, because he just put me on the spot. He just went, how about you? Do you have a portfolio? And I don't know why I said, uh, I said, yes. I mean, I was preparing a portfolio, but, you know, I don't even know what it's for. I just said, yes, <laughs> yes, I have one. Uh, what are we talking about? Who are you? I don't even know who you are. Uh, and then later on, my friend, oh, yeah, he's the owner of this ADI. I'm like, oh. Oh, it's like, okay, okay, now I, I got two weeks. I, I mean, I drew till four in the morning, just, and, and and that's the part where I think it's important is after you take that jump is you have to follow through, you yeah. know, prepare the stuff. Because I have to tell you, I have other friends that I am trying to help them, right? And they're, they have the opportunity, but then they didn't prepare for the opportunity, uh, which is hard, hard when I see that happen, you know, and Sometimes when students ask, um, here's a question, right, for you guys uh, that I get asked sometimes, uh, (laughs) actually often, is, is it who you know or what you know? We've answered that. It's both. Yeah, it's both, of course. Because if you know people and you know people more than anybody else, but you're no good at what you do, it's not going to be, you know, why would they take you on? And if you're great and you don't know anyone who can hire you, well, maybe now, maybe now you can do it. But would you think that... More, more priority is it's what you know. It's your skills, so that you could get the people to find. Yeah. Anyway, you you did have a conversation, but I remember that. I I guess I remember that. Yeah. I mean, you can definitely get your foot in the door only based on who you know, but then eventually you're gonna have to just back it all up. And and in order to really create good work, that is based on what you know. Yes, yeah. You could be the the son of the director and and they you know and this and the director's like, "Well, I'm just going to have my son do it." I don't know why they would do that, but, but but then but then you design a really bad character and then what what you you're you're known for the the worst character in the movie. That's not going to get you anywhere. Yeah, of course the priority there is to create great work and to be known for great work is on what you know. Or another thing I thought of was what well, a particular person that asked me that I had to tell ask her, are you just asking that because you want to give up on your art and because I don't know anyone? You know, so just ask yourself, do you still want to draw whether you know someone or not? It makes you happy, right? So just keep on doing it. You said you teach? Yes, I used to teach. Uh, I stopped. Where? Already. Um, Concept Design Academy. Hey, I teach there too. Yeah, yes, I know. Actually, 
Marshall, I took your class a while back. And, uh... <laughs> of course. Of course he did. Did you Did you really? Which class was N- it? Ninth class of Design Academy. It was in uh, Lafa, I think. Oh. Was it a composition class then? It was a composition class. It was me and a friend of mine, uh, a tall friend of mine. I don't, know, I, th- I don't know if you remember us. But uh, I now that you I you know you looked familiar to me right away, but I did not associate it with having taken a composition class at Lafa. Okay, well I'm glad to hear that. We came now, from you, a game studio, NCSoft. I was working at NCSoft at that time. We took your class. Okay. But we met before that. We met in Justin Sweet's. Uh, uh, you were you were uh, workshop. Yeah, one of his re- workshop in Fullerton. At- I didn't have a career yet. My goodness. Okay, so that was 2005. <laughs> 2004. We, we had Justin as artist in residence at Fullerton Community College. You were there then and we met there. And then yes. you took a class from me at LAFA shortly thereafter? Yes. And then when you came back to teach at CDA, what do you, what do you teach at CDA? Uh, at CDA, I taught creature design just for one semester. Yeah, because uh, at that time I was working for Project Offset, and then our our company got bought by Intel, and I had to move up north for like three years. You had to move up north, okay? So that was up in where in Washington? Uh, no, that was up in just uh, San Jose. Oh, okay. The game never came out. Three years of my work is never coming out. Ah, are you gonna teach again? Uh, no, it's been really busy. Uh, lately, aside from work and just uh, my personal IPs, I'm like developing and family. My kids, uh, it's just so busy. And when I teach, I just spend so much time because uh, I, I actually love teaching, but uh, I put so much time in it that it takes away from other stuff. Right. Now, and so if you're not going to be in a classroom again soon, uh, and right now, you're in front of a number of people who watch this podcast because they want to learn about art and about the industry. If you're able to say it so that it's recorded and it goes out to the world and stays out there, what are some thoughts you have for people who are trying to get their skills up, get into the industry? What are some of the main things that you'd share with them? Um, I would probably say learn perspective. Learn perspective. <laughs> Marshall. <laughs> it's one of the important things. Well, it's so practical, I know. Because, you know, with perspective, you have scale, you have, um, you know, when you compare objects beside each other, so your your character sits in space. And when you do character design, you have to learn perspective of the arms, you know, the way things uh, 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 like sit on each other. I think that kind of helps it feel more solid. Um, so that's one. Uh, and um, uh, in terms of getting in uh, to the stuff I do, uh, doing costume design, it's good to know materials, you know, how certain materials fold, uh, uh, how leather crinkles, how armor shines, you know, and try to find a good shorthand, I guess, for that. So it feels like a different material. So you don't have like, a character that looks like all plastic, including its skin, right? You don't have to properly do uh, the rendering that well. So that's something to practice. So still life is would be good. So that, these are the things I didn't quite learn when I was starting up because creature design, I didn't need perspective 
and all that stuff. So I had to like learn as I uh, as I worked because um, I realized, oh, this doesn't fit right. And then you added materials and textures to that too for what uh, something is clothed in. Yes. What else? Keep going. This is interesting. Yeah, it definitely would be disciplined to to have a schedule every day to draw, right? And uh, figure drawing was actually really important, even though I didn't uh, get to go to school, uh, like years of figure drawing, I would just draw on my own figure drawing and head drawing. Um, also, uh, one way I, I learned was uh, tracing, like tracing over yeah. photos. Uh -huh. uh, to learn the structure and I, I really love the um, uh, uh, abstraction like I, I learned uh -huh. that helped me a lot with rhythms so uh -huh. so with my creatures I got I try to put rhythm like in, in it as much as I can so you know the head abstraction of uh, Fred Fixler I think that's what I learned that yeah. from where mm -hmm. so uh, there will be a pleasing way things could uh, uh, align I guess and when I do creature design when you do the rib cage you know you you take uh, like a study a dog and then find the rhythms that go in it. So you take those uh -huh. rhythms and you put it onto a creature. Then you could kind of stretch it out and in and but still following the rhythm, uh, the the abstraction, so that it still feels like a dog. Um, um, Anthony, yes. where is your lavalier mic? <laughs> it was on the floor. Does that mean we lost it? No, the camera is pretty good in yeah, getting. Yeah, the camera. Well, the camera will get that audio. So sometimes when I teach students, I, I have them imagine a slider where there's a werewolf on one end and a human on one end, and the evolution between like after a million years, how would that look like? Uh, maybe not a million, but let's pretend, right? So if you watch a lot of uh, 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 nature shows, then you could see what you would keep, what you wouldn't keep, and in between the evolution, you'd come up with uh, what's what's the design closer to humans. So they'll be standing up with traits from werewolves. And the werewolf, if it's closer to the werewolf side, he'll feel more on fours, but with like a human face, and and that makes it even creepier. You know. So how 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 is that? How can you use that to help design stuff? So evolution, as if if a a werewolf were to evolve into a human or the other way around. Yes, what would yeah. it look like on a in that transformation? Yeah, that slider. Yeah. And you can do that with anything. Crab human. How would that look like? Crab werewolf. Crab werewolf. Exactly. That's even more <laughs> like and then you put in a third element to it. So uh uh I, I like looking at like a like a pie chart where eighty percent the, the dominant form you want, which is human or wolf, let's say, and then 15% uh, the the secondary creature, and then 5% uh, would be like just the details, like a crab uh, armor or something like that. Mm -hmm. So then you distribute the details that way. But you're looking at things through different lenses and also getting up over them and seeing how over time they change and looking yes. for the simplest ways, like the basic shapes that they change and how their posture changes. Yeah. So you're really seeing things imaginatively and from different angles so that when you come up with your ideas, you're saturated in how they evolved and how you, you're going to design this world and you've gotten insight from observing it. Yeah, I think it's, it is what, from watching a lot of the, uh, uh, Animal Planet stuff because mm -hmm. yeah. 
how they change through time through millions of years and you're like wow that's amazing some animals just had a certain type of jaw and they kept that for a while until it didn't work and then that you know that disappeared and then they started having different parts of their body that worked and then they developed that this is great insight though for people who are going to be character designers it shows you that a character designer cares a creature designer cares about creatures what they're made out of how mm -hmm. they change uh that you're combining being an artist with something you love anyway yeah. which is animal planet and the history of animals if you think in those terms it helps with also coming up with concepts for just big ideas let's say for um infinity war i was tasked with coming up with a battle between thanos and dr strange but a battle that you've never seen before <laughs> you know it's like uh -huh. epic like really huge epic battle and he thanos needed to have like uh at least four of the gems he was in titan and he was fighting star lord and iron man and dr strange and he brought down chunks of the moon and he rained down rocks on them. We'll show the clip. Yeah, show the clip. Yeah. So yeah. That, that's basically- If we want to be demonetized. On... <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. Um, but yeah, so same with that. So I had like an overall idea and then I just slowly 20% of the black hole, 10% of, of fire and, you know, trying to mix that together to come up with something like looking unique, even though it's it's familiar. Anthony, you're you are inspiring. You you've got uh, you've got the energy of a creative kid <laughs> with the skills of a grown up that fuse together admirably. I mean, there's just just hearing you talk about it. It's it's like what you do when you were going to invent monsters as a kid. Only now you're really able to do it. And then people put millions of dollars <laughs> yeah. into turning it into a reality. It's just, a, it's thrilling. It, it almost feels like the little uh, tips you give, like even as a creature designer, when I say, you know, you, d d uh, learn learn how to uh, paint folds or materials, right? Those little things may seem so simple, but when you're doing the job and you don't know how to do uh, different materials, it's it's hard for them to know what, what your costume is about. You know, and, and the story behind the costume uh, is, is also important. Um, one example I guess I could give is when I was designing Loki for mm -hmm. Thor Ragnarok. Uh, I, um, I know Loki's dad died and his mom died and his sister's after him and he's in mourning. So inside, like he's, he's just uh, sad. So when I was designing costume, I put purple inside the, the armor just to uh -huh. uh, to represent you know uh, death or sadness oh. um, and i had all the uh, cut lines going diagonally because he's so imbalanced with his mm. uh mental state he doesn't know if he's gonna be good or bad you know, so i i, I kind of add that to my design oh, that's uh, cool story that's really interesting yeah i guess yeah i know yeah. very little about uh costume design so that's the kind of stuff people think about huh is like how does this costume express the personality or the current storyline of this character? Yes, sometimes yeah, that's uh, cool. not everybody does it that way. When I was explaining my process for that particular one, because not all, all costume designs end up like that. That just happened to be the one that right. felt like right. But I would suggest to do that in making costume designs because it just brings out something more 
and it, that guides you on designing stuff too. Cool. Oh, one more thing when designing costumes, you could think of three things, your budget, right? A very cheap costume, a middle value costume, and the most expensive costume. You get more jobs that way if you have more of a variety. An expensive looking costume, a medium looking costume, and, and the cheapest costume you could find uh, so, so that you would have your job longer and they need you for more of the other costumes and not just the hero costume. Anthony, as far as getting into the industry, because I think that's what most young people probably want to know the most about. Um, yes. How much of just being good at the craft do you think it is? And, and, how, and what are the other characteristics of someone who, the, the common characteristics you see of people who do work for big companies like Marvel? I think it's uh, most of his work ethic. Okay. Definitely uh, easy to collaborate with. That's that's another trait that's important. And um, and to always uh, explore ideas, even though it sounds stupid in the beginning, to explore it. Um, uh, I, and I know in, in the beginning, when you're just starting out, every idea seems stupid, especially when talking to someone that also doesn't know better. And both of you are just saying, oh, your idea is stupid, mine's better, you know. <laughs> it's like you, you never let go of those. You just try to, okay, it sounds stupid now. Maybe this stupid idea could help with something, you know, better later. Yeah. You know, you never know. No, Emily, my daughter oh, is cool. bothering us. Is my daughter. Hi. <laughs> Okay, what are you getting? She's just grabbing something. Okay. My, I, yeah. I, I, hey, okay, since yeah, I since I have to go, why don't I say my goodbyes and that way you can okay. you can carry through with this. Yeah. Oh man, Marshall. <laughs> it's so cool with uh, you here. But let's do another one. Anthony, it is a privilege to know you and have had a chance to talk with you on this podcast. And uh and yeah, it's also a great feeling to know that we were in class together and that I did not <laughs> I didn't remember that. <laughs> Marshall, you were in class together with pretty much every professional artist out there. Which Yeah, but today yeah. it's Anthony Francisco. Yeah. Man. You know, it's which a big it, deal. it has been proven by the way. I said it in the first <laughs> season that you know, remember when I first introduced you I think yes, in the first yes. season where I was like we walked around Comic-Con and literally every single person said, "Hey Marshall." And now yeah. it's been proven the the first two people we had as guests on this podcast have said to you, hey, I was actually in your class. And you're like, well, what? It's a great feeling. Yeah. Well, Anthony, I, I admire you. I admire your work. It was a great opportunity to talk with you. Thanks for doing this with us. Uh, thank you for having me. It's, it's great. It's great to talk to you guys. And hopefully we do this again. All right. Thank you all. Man. Oh, man. I didn't get to tell Marshall. His composition class is is let me see composition in a in a whole different way. Oh, really? Cool. Yeah, yeah. We just recorded uh, how to learn composition podcast episode. It hasn't aired. Well, by the time this episode airs, the composition episode will have aired by then. But while we're recording this, it has not aired yet. Uh, I think it's a good one. I mean, Mo Marshall pretty much carries that whole episode. I, I think I forgot most of it, but. <laughs> the one that st stuck with me the most that I apply a lot to everything and it, it, it also fits uh, the other idea I had when I do creature design is when he said that where the yin and yang where it's black and white and a little bit of black is in the white, a little bit of white is in the black. Mm -hmm. And now when I do my keyframes, uh, 
I, I usually do that, but I have a dominant, whether it's black or white. And then I put a little bit of the white in there. It's, it's like, wow, that's... And I've been using that ever since. And I, I remember heard, learning that from Marshall. Nice. Let, let's continue with that conversation about uh, the, the characteristics. Did, were there any others that you, that you know of or you can think oh, of? Um, what kind of people do you want to work with? When you have a brainstorming session, you're not um, uh, shy to put yourself out there because everybody's inviting. So that's, that's one thing that is prevalent, I guess, with our team is that no one has egos. I mean, everyone's confident. I mean, we have our ego, right? But when you're brainstorming, yeah. it's like, okay, let me hear your idea. Uh, and, and what's your idea? And it's just, if you do need uh, to brainstorm with someone, it's easy. You mentioned um, easy to work with. Yes. Um, and... Uh... Neil Gaiman, uh, in his commencement speech, mentions this, uh, that, you know, being uh, a pleasure to work with is one of the three qualities that you need to, to make, to, to have a career. Um, well, I'm curious though, is, is like, do you know if there's any people who are not a pleasure to work with, but because they, you know, they, they challenge certain ideas and they actually bring really good work to the table that they you know they still make it in or or if it's if you still enjoy working with those kinds of people that maybe aren't like easy to work with but because yeah. they uh they kind of bring you up by challenging you constantly that's the name of the game is you challenge each right. other's ideas but it's not confrontational right so you could be a pleasure to work with but still challenge people's ideas and yes, and, yes. and not make it make not make the work easy but make it fun because it's challenging yeah. and you're... And when I say not a pleasure to work with, it's more like um, the attitude where they're very bullheaded with their design and they don't want to hear other uh, ideas or when they come in, they just they take out everyone's ideas and put theirs in. That's what I mean, I guess, when I say it's, it's, it's hard to work with. Yeah, okay. That makes sense. But if it's just difficulty in coming up with an idea or, or, or the challenge of the idea... That's actually fun. It's difficult, but it's still fun. Mm-hmm. Which is like coming up with Marvel ideas. It's getting more and more difficult the more it goes on because we try not to do what we already did. It's like, okay, well, it has to be more epic than this epic thing we did. Uh, how will we do that and make it unique? But people would still accept it as cool. Because if it's too unique, it won't appeal to audiences. Yeah. Well, Anthony, it's been a pleasure uh, having you here. Um, it's good to have some insight from people who are actually working in the industry. Um, what, what do you, what's in store for you for the next decade or so? Are you just looking forward to working on more big movies or do you have any personal projects that you want to share? Definitely more pro, you know, movies from Marvel. We have so much stuff yeah on the pipe um uh and and on the side i'm i'm like trying to figure out how to learn to write you know so Mm. possibly take more classes on that and my uh personal projects like um i'm trying to develop uh the stuff i grew up on like filipino folklore trying to try to do an idea with that as a story okay so do more writing stuff yeah because i realized you know you you like creating worlds and in the worlds there are stories when i design i have stories behind it why don't i start writing them that sounds fun 
<laughs> so are you taking classes writing classes just youtube videos or watching uh the neil gaiman one i, I watched that uh, oh master class how is that yeah. is that a good one but the way he just talks and express explains stuff just sounds so cool <laughs> he's a good speaker it's like a one-day workshop yeah uh, one-day workshop that's what yeah to begin it but but to really get into it you'll you'll need to take a longer class or something right but, but, but it's a good it, it could be a really good start though huh yeah yeah no definitely it would definitely inspire you it inspired me cool yeah thanks a lot man yeah it's been fun i had a lot of fun I, i'm sure um the aspiring creature designers are gonna enjoy this episode and be really thankful for all the insight so if people want to follow you where where can they follow you uh, if you want to follow me you can hit me up on instagram a youtube uh it's for Instagram, it's Anthony underscore Francisco underscore art. And on YouTube, it's uh, just search for Anthony Francisco designer, I guess. I just I just searched for Anthony Francisco and it came up. So Okay, <laughs> just search for that. And it looks like the username on your uh, YouTube is UberMonster20. UberMonster20. Oh, nice. Yeah. My horror film days when I wanted to direct a horror film. That's <laughs> like... Uh, maybe maybe it'll come up. Uh, yeah. I could possibly do a short film soon. Well, thank you everybody for listening. Go check out Anthony's stuff. Um, and if you've never heard of his movies, go check them out. <laughs> <laughs> Look up Marvel. See, Look yeah. Marvel, yes. Yeah, you'll enjoy the movies. All right, thank thanks, you, guys. everyone. Can you tell people to give us the TikToks? I actually have a TikTok. You do have a TikTok. Yeah, I do have one. Oh, okay, That's why I cool. thought you found my TikTok. No, uh, I haven't found it, but I will. I will definitely go check it out after no, this. No, don't don't look for it yet because it's nothing interesting. There's in nothing it. in there. Yeah, mine doesn't really have anything. In it. I have like three or four posts. It's all in my drafts. All my lip syncing and dancing. It's all in my drafts. It's never coming out. <laughs> <laughs> Until you tr- get drunk one night and accidentally publish yeah, them all. And then- Anthony Francisco, he is setting up to record a Draftsman podcast with Marshall and Stan. He will be our special guest here on the Draftsman episode here with the Anthony Francisco who designed Baby Groot among the other things he's done. Bum, bum, bum.